Des. Um, who's Desmond Mongwe? Where were you born? Tell us something about yourself. How did you find yourself at the Hook Up to Make Land? Okay, so Desmond Mongwe is a, a guy, obviously, coming from Limpopo, um, in a small mining town called Palaburu. So that's where I grew up with my uh, two brothers and uh, mother and father. And uh, because it's a mining town, obviously all the young kids when they grew up there, they want to be a mining engineer, electrical engineer, or a doctor. So even in a social life, there's, it's either, there, are, there are two things that you could do. It's either you go to church or you, you go to tavern and drink. So those are two things that you never find. So I grew up in that environment and um, my high school was there. Up until the age of 17, I went to UCT uh, to study there. And obviously it was my first time at the age of 18 to go outside the province, to go to the city. And everything was new. And yeah, I, I finished the, the UCT and um, started working in 2001. So, as a, a program, so that has been throughout my journey, and that's my passion of on, on technical side. So, before we get to your your career, um, as you've mentioned, you you obviously went and followed the traditional route in getting a qualification and then going into a nine to five. But here you are today, and you started, you found yourself as an uh, you find yourself as an entrepreneur. So, what were what motivated that? Did you spot a gap in the market? How did you decide that? this business more while it was going to be the, the way that you decided to build your life and your career? Okay, so let me answer that question by starting with, the, with the, a little bit of the story. And I will use the same story throughout this uh, conversation and using it as a reference. So when I was uh, still a young boy uh, in Parabola, uh obviously just like any other kid, we, we always had um, business uh, local people. There was uh, um, the other um, gentleman who was there with the family, and uh, he decided to create a shop called. Um, his surname was Nisi, so he decided to have a shop called uh, Nisi Corner Shop. So obviously everyone was looking up to him. So he was a local role model, including myself. So um, this story, actually, I'm just using it as a reference to say, every time wherever you are or whatever you see, there's, there's always a benchmark, there's always a reference. So when we define success, or when we define something that someone is doing something in a community, we always, okay, even your mother will say, look, why not going to school? Um, we, we could be out of the poverty, you could be put us in a situation just like uh, that demon is there, he's running his own shop. But you only realize that that was a level where he is. It was, Nisikona shop, that means he had no intention of actually growing the, the, the business. It was just one corner shop as long as he's able to actually go, uh, maybe take the kids to school or maybe just survive with the daily bread. So what actually gave me an idea to come up with a, a solution was because where I come from, uh, there are less opportunities. So I always wanted to use a technology to actually make a difference in people's life. People that are considered as a, a bottom pyramid of the, of the country, or lower LSM, or LSM 1 to 5. So I always wanted to do something. So 
in you identifying that you have entrepreneurial ambitions, what, what product did you get to market to launch your business? Um, uh, rephrase that. So your business, Mo Wallet. What is the business of Mo Wallet? What is this innovation that you've introduced to the township uh, ecosystem and township economy at large? Okay. So uh, Mo Wallet is the name of the company, but then the product is called Pop-Up Deals. So Pop-Up Deals is basically a platform that will allow a brands to deliver incentives in uh, informal retail stores uh, that are located in rural areas. What do you mean by incentives? Okay. So um, those, those are the retail shops that are not formal, that are not part of the bigger supply chain, like your spaza shop, your mini supermarket, an independent shop that you find at the corner where you buy newspaper or bread. So incentives, we're talking about uh, coupons, we're talking about vouchers, we're talking about uh, mobile payment, we're talking about um, anything that you can offer to people as a, a, a benefit. And the reason why I had to focus on that was because in the country, we have 26% unemployment. And we have um, at least 21% of the country, which is 16 million people, who are receiving grants every month from the government. So these are the huge number of people who really need some kind of incentives that they could better their lives. And uh, also, when you look at students who are receiving grants um, or bursaries from the, from the government, um, they also need help there in terms of um, accessing the financial services. So to give everyone a picture, if you go to pick and pay right now and go and buy 2 kg, let's say 5 kg of Iwisa Mizlia, you are likely to get a discount or a coupon when you swap your alert card. But the very same 5 kg of Iwisa Mizlia, when you buy it at Spaza Shop or mini supermarket in Township, you will never find that company. Why? So we're talking about 47% of the population of the country they stay in Township. So that means the brand doesn't actually give incentive to those people, you know. Um, when, when, when you send 100 rand of an e-wallet, I'm sure people are using e-wallets here, for FNB, e-wallet, you send that e-wallet to your mother who's in township or rural area, what's the first thing that they will do? They want to redeem that e-wallet, but they cannot redeem because there's no ATM there. They must spend 80% of that money going to town to actually, already they're spending 30%. So this platform is actually to connect this sponsor shop, mini supermarket, so that they could be able to redeem um, those coupons, um, those vouchers, those uh, mobile payments, those e-wallet vouchers. So let me paint a picture and tell me if I'm right here. I have a cell phone and I'm looking to claim a, a pop-up deal uh, voucher at, a, at my local sponsor shop. Yep. So I dial, I'm assuming, a USSD code, yes. star 120, whatever the case may be, and from there I get a list of vouchers that I can then access um, from whether it be Albany deals or whether it be Omo deals or some form of product that's targeted at low LSMs that other shops normally uh, stock. Yes, buy two, two, two liter Coke and get a free uh, Oreo, uh, buy bread and get to rent uh, um, uh, at time. Those are the uh, campaigns that already exist in a formal retail shop, but they don't exist in that segment. So we are bringing them to make them available. 
And what has this done for township economies? What does what do you feel like an innovation like this can introduce into local spaza shops and local township economies? We we are bringing more services because what it means is that we are bringing more fit into the shop, more fit into the shop, more sales, more revenue. And the reason why uh, also government funded the project is because they also want to use the platform to deliver social products, uh, food parcel to those families who are who are in need. Um, you, to have an idea how big this is, uh, Mandela Foundation has just raised 70 million rand just to deliver sanitary towels to the girls in township and rural areas. So their problem is they have to go to the shop, buy this physical product, put them in the in the in the, in the schools, and then they then uh, distribute to the to the to the recipient. But the management is very poor. So now with our platform, the government then use our platform to say, okay, all the young girls, they will just go into their mobile, request the voucher, and they can go to any nearest shop to go and get their product. So, you've just mentioned that uh, government support is really now getting behind this. You recently won the Josie City Hack Challenge and walked away with a millionaire cash prize. Can we give them a round of applause for that? What has this done for you as an entrepreneur? Uh, well, I'll say, it's, I think the awards, it's, the awards just uh, give you the breaking right. It doesn't really make any change into the platform. What did the money do for you? Okay, so I, I thought uh, the money will allow me to make more things, right? But obviously it, it, it does that. But what's making a huge difference is that I'm getting more free stuff. Or I'm getting more access to resources that I never thought I could access. Uh, so obviously after um, winning the award, I was in about, in the space of two, three weeks, I was in uh, six commercial radio stations, um, live interviews, uh, more than two uh, uh, commercial TV stations as well, uh, magazines, including financial mail. Or, so I was just in media. So all of that, it was because of the award. The idea never changed. Even before the award was just like that. And we were offered, I was offered mainly a, a free working space in Santin, a cool office. Uh, opposites, I can see IBM there, I can see JSE. So it just said no cost. You know. um, so now that you've got the money, now that you've got the money, they're giving you everything for free. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's amazing. I'm, I've also been invited to become a gold member of uh, Alpha Code, which is um, an exclusive club. What you say? Okay, so it's a Alpha Code club, which is an exclusive club by a Rand Major Holding Company, which is a combination or a group of Rand Major Bank. Uh, out insurance and uh, first rent. They formed that group to fund tech entrepreneurs. So I'm likely to be funded by the group, uh, uh, which are run directly by the directors of Rent Mechat Bank and FNB. So we've got access now to, to the big ones. Well done.
So what has your experience been of entrepreneurship development support in South Africa? There's a lot of incubators popping up every week. There's um, ED funding to the value of $40 billion, I believe. Brand, sorry, sorry, brand. Um, thinking in dollars. Um, what, what, what's your experience been about the uh, for the support of SMEs and startups? Has it been accessible from prior to you receiving the validation of this award, when you were knocking at the doors? Were those doors being opened? Were people giving you the time to entrepreneur? And how did you uh, build out your journey from there? Um, I would say. The, the accelerator programs and the incubators, they always um, obviously accept um, everyone. So that's that standard. But then um, the, the problem there is that as an entrepreneur, you also need to know what you're looking for. Because if you just go there, you're very blank and you're blind. Uh, let's say I'm, I'm talking about someone who's very new, like a, um, and, and, and maybe a student who just finished the graduation, no experience at work. You are there, you learn there. People just uh, move you around. But if you know what you're looking for, you tell them, okay, I'm at this stage, in 12 months time, I need to be at that level, and then this is the milestone, these are the milestones we need to achieve, and these are the baby steps we're taking to achieve and get there. Then you get what you're looking for. But if you just get there and say, look, I don't know what to do, so just tell me what to do, then you will be passing around, you might end up staying in an uh, incubation for four years. Oh, I've seen you guys uh, be there for four years. Yeah. So you left a middle management job at MTN, um, heading up IT projects, what, taking home about 40, 50 grand a month, and you I'm jumped down. <laughs> you jumped out and you decided to take the leap into entrepreneurship. Were there very hard milestones along the way before you even pay, uh, directed the, the, the development of your journey as an entrepreneur and your business. Uh, you know, we all go through the cash flow problem days. We all go through not knowing how we're going to get to our next meeting. So how did you maneuver around these challenges uh, to the point where you are now actually have received funding into your business? No, I'll say it, 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 it was tough to actually make that change mindset to say, um, okay, I'm receiving more than 600k per annum and I have to quit my job. But obviously people around you, they will say, look, you are crazy, you know. Your friends will tell you, no, you're crazy, man. Um, these young kids here, these young people, they look up to you. You are the role model. You are the breadwinner. The family say the same thing. So it gets to a point whereby you have to be crazy enough that you don't have to wait for someone to validate your idea or your thought. You just have to do it. So I had to get to that point. And also I believe that I have knowledge and experience that will take me um, like way much better where I was. Because when I started working, I was lucky enough to work at Standard Bank where I was working in a system uh, that I was looking after and it was processing say five million transactions a day. You know, moving there, I then went to work for Johannesburg Stock Exchange, working in the IT systems, looking after the system that processed the transaction of trading. You know, so the, the trades, the, the number of shares that exchange hands on a daily basis at JSC is worth 10 million rent. So you look after systems like that. When you go to MTN, the same thing, big numbers. So 
with my experience and knowledge, then my benchmark was if I could support those systems, I could create those systems. So it means I could create my own system at that level. So that's where my benchmark is. So I had no worry about whether um, I will suffer or what, but I already had a benchmark because I had the ability. And this is very powerful. And with this benchmark that you said, you recently had a trip, as Neville mentioned earlier, to Turkey for the G20 Young Entrepreneurs Alliance. Did you notice anything different about entrepreneurs in this part of the world? What were their benchmarks? What are some of the startup success stories that are coming out of that part of the world? Yeah, big time. Um, it's, it's amazing what's happening there. And again, um, um, uh, Innocentia Mutau, who is the president of Young Entrepreneurs Alliance in South Africa, which is part of that G20. I mean, South Africa is the only country that is being represented in that G20 of entrepreneurs. Because she saw me on TV, she just phoned me and said, hey, uh, please come. Um, so it's also because of the award, this kind of thing. Um, the entire trip was paid and everything. Um, when I get there, it was cool. So what we realized there when we got there was that the entrepreneurs, the ecosystem in, in Istanbul, uh, the, the city in, in Turkey, which hosts about 10 million citizens, um, their benchmark there, it's uh, mainly Silicon Valley. They come after, I think, uh, two or three positions after uh, Televiva. And Televiva look after Silicon Valley. So you could see the highest level of skills and entrepreneurship on the ecosystem. When they talk about a successful entrepreneur that side, they talk about uh, a local Turkish guy who just sold his company for 800 million US dollars. So that's a kind of success we're looking at. Where else here at home, someone just got making a, a turnover of 800,000, then we, we, we have some, 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 I don't know, some, some part. <laughs> so that already tells you where we are in terms of the, the ecosystem and the achievements. Um, but that's what I've realized that um, they are pushing hard and they are as good as Tel Aviv in, in, in Israel. And they've got a culture of working together which um, I think we lay here in, in Africa or in South Africa. We've got, I mean, when I did my research, we've got about 90 innovation hubs in, in Africa alone. But yet these hubs don't work together. Let alone the entrepreneurs don't work together. And we're a continent of one billion people. So how come we don't succeed? So it's those kind of culture, the culture, and also, I don't know, maybe because they've been uh, uh, the ecosystem has been existing for some times, but then they are very much close to Tel Aviv, which uh, we are a bit behind. So what did you do differently? What do you think gave you a better advantage at getting your business where you can now say that you've got a very viable market that you're, that you're penetrating and that you're working with? It to work for those companies where uh, I used to work. Um, it's it what makes me uh, different. I can't say I'm, I'm special, but it makes me different. And that's the message I want to give to those who are still incorporate that. Incorporate is the best place where you find knowledge and experience. Don't just take that work for granted. Uh, I've seen a lot of people, they just go to work from 8 to 5. When it's half past 4, they look at the watch, you know. Um, every time they're making excuses and say, look, um, uh, I'm sick or I need to go home. 
people just go to work because they need money, but they don't have passion and they don't do their best. When they've been asked to do one, two, three, they just do one, two, three. You say, okay, why, why do you need to go extra mile and do a research? No, when I sign a contract, you didn't tell me I would do a research. <laughs> so uh, I was working with one guy. Um, you know, in IT, things change. So this guy, he worked for a company for four years. Now the technology changed. Now with the new technology, that guy is no longer useful for the company. They say, now you must go to training. Say, no, I don't want to go to training. And he said, no, they said, look, we will have to release you. And no, I'll take it to CCMA. So those kind of people, that I think that's where I was, I was, I was very strong on a technical side. Uh, I always wanted to do something different. And I always knew that one day I would do things myself. So I was that guy that when they say, well, John was supposed to do the deployment at MTM at two o'clock midnight in the morning and John says his wife uh, they made an arrangement that he mustn't work at night so he can't be there and then I was the first guy saying no, I'll replace him on weekends when the guys met didn't meet the deadline I would say okay, no I'll go so I'm the one of the guy who actually made a lot of deployments at MTN than anyone else in that period of four years it was not because I loved the job was because I knew I wanted the experience and I wanted to use it on my own. So that's what made me special. And on that note, what advice would you give to anyone looking, or anyone here in the audience looking to go into business? I'll say, have a benchmark. Um, initially, as I said, my benchmark was uh, the Demnisi back at home. We just had one shop, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, their benchmark is very low. We need to up our game. You know, um, as a, a, a largest a tribe or the largest uh, uh, people in, in, in the country, if I were to look at the colors, uh, blacks are 70% population of, of South Africa, followed by white, Indian, and color, and Jewish. But you'll find that the most richest people in the country is Jewish which is less than 8%. So we need to up our game. So just to give an idea, uh, my benchmark, it's, um, it's, 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 it's a company like uh, Y Group, uh, led by Baven. Last week or so, he just sold 50% of his stake to Investec for 400 million rand. Um, Vinny, was here, he was also part of um, Alpha Code Club. These are the guys that meet there. He sold his company for 500 million right, in the US. You know, So these are the guys who are my benchmark. My mentor, who's Clive, is an ex-CEO of Accenture. He's also a venture capitalist. He's got a portfolio of more than 200 million brand of companies, of startups. These are the guys that I say, if these are my benchmarks, I need to hang around with these guys because they will be able to help me to move my startup from where it is to the range of 100 to 200 million rent. And these are the discussions that are happening right now with the banks. Um, I'm talking to a couple of banks, I'm talking to a couple of um, uh, venture capitalists who want to invest in the business. And those are the levels that we're talking about right now. So we need to have a benchmark and we need to up our game.
and so that we can then compete with the international market when we talk about Tel Aviv, the Silicon Valley, and also the Indian Russians. So I think we just need to, because we have the ability, we have the education, uh, we've got the resources. Yeah, that's what I'll, I'll, I'll say as my message. Let's give him a round of applause.